Hey, thanks for joining us today on the NateHoldridge.com podcast. Today, we're looking at an Old Testament character. His name is Caleb, um, a man who lived around the time of Moses and Joshua. And this guy was um, incredible. And what we're looking at today is how his life resembled the life of Jesus, actually. And so we're going to be digging into his life, looking at what we can learn about Jesus from this man. And so we hope that this conversation is helpful for you and in your understanding of Scripture, how it points to Jesus and who Jesus is. So let's jump right in. Good to see you. Good to um, see you, man. I know that none of our listeners can see you right now, but just before we get into the episode, I just got to ask about the glorious and majestic journey you're on towards growing your hair out. Oh, man. You want the hair update? How's it going? Well, it's looking good today. Yeah, thanks, bro. I just got a haircut <laughs> actually for the first oh, nice. time in over a year, pretty much. I had one little trim, you know, at the, I think, seven or eight or nine month mark. <laughs> Um, but other than that, awesome. it's just been pretty much tidy. all natural, you know, just letting it flow. So it's been getting pretty prophetic looking. It, that's a great way of describing yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, but yeah, it's a little tighter now. I'm still <laughs> growing it, but it just needed to kind of get shaped up a little bit. And, you know, if you've never like met me or never, never seen me, I think probably <laughs> the best way to describe it right now is the 1990s version mm. of Jack from the show. This is us. <laughs> That's where it's at right now. Oh, that is awesome. That's a good description of it. That's yeah, pretty accurate. Right? Yeah, that's good. Oh, man. It's it's banging. It's looking good, man. I love it, man. Well, all right. So today, we're looking at an article, Nate, that you wrote about Caleb, this Old yeah. Testament character um, that we read about, and uh, more specifically, some attributes about him that show us Jesus a little bit. And we believe Jesus is seen within his people throughout all scripture that scripture points towards him and what a cool article to look at caleb's life his faith his love his strength and see how it shows us more about who jesus is but before we get into talking about who he is or what what kind of attributes show us jesus could you kind of tell us about caleb i know this is kind of an old testament guy back in moses's day and everything Mm -hmm. where does he pop up in the bible who is he? Sure. Why is he in scripture? Yeah, thanks. So, I mean, Caleb and writing about Caleb is just one of the things that I love about writing in yeah. general and writing about the Bible. It's just so filled with all these great passages and stories. You know, someone asked me a couple months ago, like, where do you get inspiration for all these different articles? Right. You know, how do you think of different things to write about? And to be honest with you, if I sat down and really just tried to think about topics, that would <laughs> yeah. be really hard. But yeah. for me, it's just the Bible is just an everyday experience mm. in my life, and I love it so much. And so Caleb is one of those characters that stands out in the Old Testament as just a man that I think every believer just totally adores. Right. So where he drops totally. into the story of Israel's life and history is... Way after Abraham, you know, God had made the promise to Abraham that through his seed, all the nations of the earth would be blessed, mm-hmm. which was a little bit of a promise that someday his descendants would turn into a national people group, which they mm-hmm. did in their slavery in Egypt. They grew to be a couple million people strong, but that was, you know, 400 plus years after Abraham. Mm-hmm. 
But then eventually that slavery in Egypt, which at the beginning was kind of a positive relationship, sort of a, a, a symbiotic, uh, mutually beneficial relationship between the Hebrew people and mm-hmm. the Egyptian people, yeah. it eventually turned into a forced servitude, harsh slavery kind of relationship. So they cried out to God. They finally remembered the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, mm-hmm. and they cried out to God and, and asked God to remember those covenants that he'd made with their ancestors. So then God sent Moses as a deliverer for the people of Israel, and along with Moses, the dis- different plagues right, culminating in the Passover and the Red Sea event, which was their kind of salvation, God rescuing them from their slavery. And so uh, they began to wander in the wilderness. They received the law uh, from Mount Sinai, and Moses began to teach the law to them. Mm -hmm. But then this very important moment came. Uh, They'd been out in the wilderness probably for a couple of years at that point, and this moment came where uh, Moses sent 12 spies into the land that God had promised to Abraham 400 plus years earlier that they were now as a people heading into. And these spies were supposed to go and check out the land, give, you know, maybe some kind of mapping of the land, some kind of rough idea of the main strongholds and enemies that they'd be battling against. And honestly, a, a report about what the land was like so that the people stuck in the wilderness would know what they had to look forward to. Mm-hmm. So 10 spies went, I mean, excuse me, 12 spies went, all 12 of them are mentioned or named in the book of Numbers. But uh, when they came back to give the report, uh, two of the spies, Joshua, the ultimate successor Mm -hmm. to Moses, and his friend Caleb, Mm -hmm. they gave the report that, you know, yeah, there's giants in the land, they're pretty impressive, but... The land is impressive. The, the right. produce is impressive. The fruit is impressive. And God has given us this land, so let's go in and take it. But the 10 spies uh, were had a different attitude than mm-hmm. Joshua and Caleb. And they you know, told the people were like grasshoppers in their sight, and they were filled with fear. So you had two filled with right. faith, 10 filled with fear. And the fear speech won the day mm-hmm. there in Israel. And so it was then at that point that God pronounced that that entire generation, 20 years old, 20 years old and older, would die wandering in the wilderness, which right. took another yeah. 38 years, coming to 40 years total. They would die in the wilderness, but there would be two men from that generation who lived to go into the so land, crazy. and that would be Joshua and Caleb because yeah. they had great faith. And so... That's, you know, Caleb was one of those men of (laughs) faith who said, we can take it, we can do it, not because we're strong, but because God is with us. That is so rad. I love his spot in the Bible with Mm -hmm. Joshua. And even in that story, it's just like, man, yeah, what a man of faith. I love that. Against all odds and everything, he has such a faith in God. And that's one of the things you actually mentioned in this article is that kind of specific to Caleb is his faith his love, and his strength. Yeah. And so I, th- I thought we could kind of talk about each of those respectively. Sure. W- with his faith, you actually mentioned one of the the quotes um, in your response just now, but you wrote that Caleb didn't buy into the, the grasshopper logic, you know, the kind, uh, we are like grasshoppers in their sight, we will surely be defeated, but rather he bought into more of a Pauline logic, if God be for us, 
who can be against us. I even love that, that even before Paul was around, Caleb still had that kind of faith. That's just like a faith of a God man, you know? Mm -hmm. But um, I want to ask you, what gave Caleb the confidence to believe that God was with him? I, I know you mentioned that promise that God gave to Abraham. Is that the kind of thing that he was holding on to, you think, in that story? Well, in a sense, I I think that every funeral that he went to bolstered his faith because mm. for 38 years, 40 years total in the wilderness, he was watching other people die. Mm. And God had said, Joshua and Caleb, they will live and they'll go into the promised land. So right. every friend that died, every person that died, he was seeing God's promises unfold and he's looking at his own body and, and realizing, mm. I'm still strong, I'm still healthy, <laughs> Yeah, I think I'm gonna make it, you know? And yeah. so I think his faith was growing you know, as time went by. So you were asking, you know, how, how did, what was it that he was clinging to or how was that faith developing inside of him? I think that was maybe one way that his faith yeah, developed inside of him. But also you have to remember, he saw quite a lot from the Lord, yeah. you know? I mean, mm -hmm. of course, Israel nationally could remember the distant historic promises that God had made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But he had seen... Moses come and all these mm. different plagues, these 10 plagues. He had right. seen the Red Sea event. But then it wasn't like God stopped working after the Red Sea. You know, he was yeah. giving them the manna mm -hmm. and the quail and turning bitter water into sweet water and water out of the rock. He was seeing all these different ways that God was miraculously intervening for the people of Israel. And, you know, even would watch them give would watch God give them military victories as well. It yeah. wasn't just that because after they went through the Red Sea, there were a couple of foreign nations before going into Canaan right. that they saw. And so it wasn't just, you know, God's miraculous power over the natural realm. He saw God's miraculous power in military battle, mm -hmm. uh, which was, you know, a way for God in that era to judge the nations right. that were there in Canaan. And so he saw that. So I think part of the reason That's his faith was there was to, to him it made perfect sense. Like, why yeah. why wouldn't I have faith? This isn't like a mm. blind, you know, uh, well, I just have this feeling like God's going to come through for us. Yeah. It's a strong historical witness huh. thing that Caleb was connecting himself to, you know? So wow. it'd be very similar to us as believers kind of going back to the cross of Christ and seeing that event and then you know, coming away from that with this strong sense of belief and current trust yeah. because of what he's done for us previously. So I think part of it was just his own experience, you know, during that wilderness wandering, but also just the, you know, past previous things that God That's had done. Cool. And the manna, you know, it's like six days a week, there was this miraculous manna <laughs> coming out of who knows where from yeah. God, you know? So mm. it's like just this amazing thing that he's 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 witnessing, you know, what the, what the Lord has, has been doing. But I think a real key for the cultivation of his faith is this phrase that is repeated throughout his whole life. In all the different books of the Bible that talk about Caleb, it says of him, that he wholly followed mm. the Lord. Yeah. And there is something about when a man or a woman makes a determination to follow after God and to become a worshiper of God, to become mm. a prayer of God and a lover of his word, 
when you're in that slot, your faith grows. You know, faith yeah. comes by hearing and that by the word of God. So right. when you are spiritually starving yourself, you can't mm-hmm. expect faith to grow. So I think that you can read between the lines and see that faith, that Caleb was a man who spiritually nourished himself. Mm-hmm. And so you'd expect that faith would flow from that. Interesting. Yeah, one of the things that strikes me about Caleb is that, I mean, him and Joshua believed that God was for them, that he's going to win the victory for them. Yeah. But there's 10, 10 others who didn't. They saw yeah. all that too, and they didn't yeah. believe, you know? Yeah. So do you think that is that connection between their trust in God and following after him? Is it because, or was their strength, faith, their faith strengthened because they chose to follow? You think in the people who didn't believe is, didn't choose to yeah. follow God. I don't the... know the history of these other 10 guys. It doesn't say, you know, what they were like, but we know that it says over and over again, Caleb wholly followed the Lord his God. Right. And then we know that Joshua, mm-hmm. even after Moses would leave the tabernacle of meeting with the Lord, yeah. Joshua would linger at the tabernacle mm-hmm. of meeting with the Lord. So both of these men are pictured as spiritual men who were right. seeking God. So, you know, it doesn't say that the other 10 were or weren't that, but we know that Caleb and Joshua were those godly men who Mm. were at least giving God an opportunity to interact with their spirit, their soul, to stir up that faith inside of them. Right. I feel like one thing I've noticed in my life sometimes is that I know who God is. I've seen him do stuff. I look back at scripture and see his faithfulness. But when the rubber meets the road, you know, of life, it's easy to be like the kind of guys who... Yeah. Went yeah. away, you know, and uh, to remember that, you know, that devotion to God can produce a lot of that like active faith is really helpful. Oh, yeah, to absolutely. I mean, if you do not have designed into your life a way to take a minute yeah, and bring the next giant yep. that you're up against before the Lord, if you don't have a way to process that with God, yeah. then you're always going to be terrified of the giants right you have to it's not that these guys saw the giants and just were like stupid and oblivious you know Mm -hmm. like that we're not smaller than them no they knew (laughs) what the reality was they knew that these guys have fortresses they're huge they're well armed we're just a ragtag group of you know pilgrims on this journey we're not a strong armed forces yet at this Mm -hmm. point so it's not like they didn't see those things it's that there was a moment that they had mm. built into their lives where they could then take those fears to the Lord. And, that's you good. know, like you said, I mean, that's just like 101 Christianity. You know, I can right. think of just a million Absolutely. times in my life where it's like panic, you know, <laughs> see the giant, yeah. panic, go to the Lord. He calms your yeah. heart. Mm-hmm. You get a vision for him. Oh, yeah, you're bigger than the giants. And then faith flows from that yeah. spot yeah that's good and that's like i mean this whole article is about characteristics of caleb that resemble christ and that's a that's a very jesus style way of approaching life right yeah yeah oh so totally I, I just love that about caleb it's like jesus approached god in prayer daily yeah. late at night early in the morning yeah and it fueled something yeah in him and we we need this so badly because the, the body of Christ, the church, is saturated mm. with the 10, to be honest. Right. Oh, yes. You know, saturated yeah. with like, hey, have you thought about, 
you know, what, what do you think? Do you think maybe God is calling you into the pastorate, you know, and it's just immediately like, well, I would, I would like that, but here's all the but, reasons why, you yeah. know, or people who can't get their eyes off of all the material security that the world mm. is just fighting for and realizing like, you know, to serve the Lord, I might not be able to have that, but God will take care of me. Yeah. And you have to have like a regular, constant relationship with God to be mm. steadily reminded that he's going to take care of you Amen. and that he's yeah. going to watch over you because the church is filled with people who think just like the world and yeah, think just absolutely. the same idols, same, you know, versions of security, same definitions of success. Right. So you really got to go to the Lord quite constantly to kind of yeah. get that reshuffling of your own mind. That's really good and really helpful too. Well, let's keep moving along a little bit. So the next thing you talk about in this article is Caleb's strength. And I just wanted to ask you, <laughs> I mean, you know, we're talking about a guy who was, gosh, he was in his 80s, right? When this is all happening. Why did God give Caleb strength in his later years yeah. for all this yeah. stuff he's doing? It's a it's a fascinating Thing because they get into the promised land and they win a few battles and then it comes right. time to divvy up the land and Caleb approaches Joshua. Joshua is now in charge. You know yeah. he was one of the two spies with Caleb who believed, but he's replaced Moses and he brought yeah. the people into the promised land. He's a picture of Jesus, our Joshua. Mm-hmm. So Caleb approaches mm-hmm. Joshua and he tells him this incredible thing. By this time, it's forty-five years after they went in and spied out the land because it was, you know, it was, uh, you know, 38 years from the time until they crossed the Jordan Mm -hmm. River, but then there were seven years of battles and wars. So 45 years later now, he comes to Caleb and he, or uh, to Joshua, and he tells Joshua, he says, I'm as strong today as at 85 (laughs) as I was when I was 40. Yeah. And, you know, the question is like, is that for real? Bro, are you real? <laughs> you know? For real right now. <laughs> have, you, have you not been looking in the mirror, you know? <laughs> like, are, are you self-deceived? And, you know, maybe that was just the word of faith. You know, yeah. maybe there was just a thing within him that said, like, look, I know that I look different. I know that my body has been changed. And I know that, obviously, I'm weaker than I was when I was a 40-year-old man. Hmm. But... I know that God's with me, so I'm just as strong. So that's one possibility. But it's also possible that God just miraculously worked in Caleb's life. I mean, during that era, Moses lived to be 120 years old. So maybe Caleb's, you know, he's he's at the two-thirds mark of his own life, perhaps. And he's saying, like, I'm just as strong as when Mm. I was a 40 year old man so hashtag i want to be that that's awesome (laughs) old man strength yeah that old man strength it's good stuff so you know um he had this strength from from god so i I can't even remember what you asked me (laughs) i was wondering why why did he have that strength when he was older but that makes a lot more sense if we're talking about like an inner strength and not so much a physical strength but i mean if it is physical strength that's pretty remarkable that he would have a strength to still be fighting, still be working, still be like in charge, you know, at that age. Totally. And I, I think for us, the thing that's so uh, encouraging or applicable into our own lives is the way that his strength for 45 years grew, mm-hmm. you know, in his mind, yeah. it was, it had remained, but I think also in a sense had grown, you know, yeah. and how we can so easily weaken 
in the faith, you know, as yeah. the years go mm-hmm. by and neglect that constancy with the Lord and neglect yeah. our belief. But Caleb, you know, still in his latter years, he's like, man, I want to battle. I still want to fight. I still want to want to do this. You know, Joshua mm-hmm. was kind of not pulling back from doing work. He was still doing work, but he was pulling right. back into more like leadership, divvying up the land, directing mm-hmm. the people. But Caleb was still on the front lines. You know, he'd been out there warring for seven years right. or so. And now yeah. he's like, now I want to do my own fighting. I want you to give me my own piece of land and I'll go up there mm-hmm. and I'll drive those giants out, you know, myself. And that's beautiful and strong. And I think a great picture for us or a corollary for us in our modern Christian life is the concept that every single human being, every single believer has in our own lives and hearts uh, giants, mountains, Mm -hmm. obstacles, issues Mm -hmm. that until the day we die are in need of our attention or are in need of Christ's attention in our lives. And the second that we say, you know, I'm done trying to grow. Yeah. I'm done trying to be transformed. I'm done allowing the Lord into those areas of my life. Things are good. Mm-hmm. I'm good. The second we get to that point is the second that we have ceased to be like Caleb. Right. But when we, even as we age, continue to say to God, to ourselves, and to others, I'm not finished yet. I want to grow. I want to mm-hmm. learn there are still areas of my life that need to be transformed and touched. Mm. If we can carry that attitude, then then we've really got the Caleb kind of kind of heart, you know, yeah. that I still want to advance throughout the to the very end, you mm. know, of my life. And that's important because, you know, to be honest, one of the major temptations of aging is to coast and yeah, to get absolutely. to a point in your life where you just say, I have enough. I am enough, and now these are the years that I'm no longer working, but mm-hmm. now I'm relaxing. Yeah. But a lot of times, it's in those times of life that the Lord, He still wants to grow you. He still wants to shape you. And I'm so proud of the Christians mm-hmm. that I know who have made that determination in their own lives and have said, look, I might be 70, 80 years old, but I still am growing. I'm still Mm. in the word. I am still praying. I'm still being transformed. I'm still teachable. I'm still learning. I'm still growing. There are still mountains and giants that God wants to drive out of my life. And I am not going to say to myself, well, that's just the way I am, or that's just what life is going to be like, or Mm -hmm. I'm just stuck with that habit or that personality trait. It's just burnt into who I am. But I'm going to say, no, the power of Christ is Mm -hmm. able. He's sanctifying me to the day that I die. I'm not yet glorified. Therefore, I believe that God can work in my life and and kind of strongly approach life in in that way, I think is beautiful. I was to say, I think that's beautiful too. I feel like that's that would also prevent me, you, somebody from becoming bitter in our faith, becoming resentful to God, or even just becoming like jaded to the faith, you know, like having that perspective of there's always like room to grow. There's opportunities that God's going to be giving me. That is just like a really cool way of viewing life. Um, So that's beautiful that Caleb had like just that consistency pouring into God, letting God pour into him. Mm -hmm. I just love that. Um, you can really see that that proved to be such a strength for him in his later years. It's just so cool. You kind of wrap up this article, Nate, by talking about Caleb's love 
And I just love Caleb's request to Joshua and how you put this in like the love category, how Caleb approached Joshua and asked for this valley or this mountain called Hebron. And uh, I was just wondering if you could kind of tell us the significance of that mountain and why did Caleb want it? What was like the kind of history behind that? Yeah, so it's interesting because the name Hebron means association or league, you know, to Mm -hmm. be in association with or to be in league with someone. Right. And I think that Caleb named it that way uh, because he felt on that mountaintop a closeness, an association with being in league with God. Mm. It was his way of really experiencing uh, God. Yeah. You know, like, here I am. I'm 85 years old. For the last seven years or so, we have been warring here in the land of Canaan. And I've been fighting and I've been experiencing the power of God in my body right. as I'm doing this stuff. And now I believe that I'm going to still get an opportunity to associate with, to be in league with, to fellowship with, to experience God mm. as I climb up that mountaintop because it's mine and God said it's mine and drive out the giants that are inhabiting right. that mountaintop. Yeah. yeah. And I think that he had dreamed of that specific mountaintop for 45 Mm. years. I mean, remember, he spied out the land. He had checked it all out, you know. So he's going to Joshua and saying, saying, I remember that spot. That's what I want. Give that to me. But I think that that's a a beautiful um, picture for us today because, you know, experiencing the Lord is not relegated to a quiet time in the morning, opening our Bibles, reading it and praying. It is not relegated to a worship time corporately with other Christians singing songs to God. You can experience God in those places Mm -hmm. and in those ways, but there is a unique um, being in league with and and in an association with and a unique experiencing of God when you're doing his will and you are part of his mission. Mm -hmm. So, you know, anyone who's opened their mouth to share the gospel with someone else, anyone who's stepped forward to explain scripture to someone else, you know, anyone who has sought out the gifts of the spirit that God has given to them and then sought to use them, there is something exciting and exhilarating in that yeah. process. God may have given to you a gift of generosity, and as you privately you know, fill out that money order and give that mm. anonymous gift to someone else, there's an electricity that flows through your body oh, yeah. in that moment where it's yeah. like, man, I'm in league with God. Like We're on the mm. same team. We are doing something together. It's powerful, yeah, you know, it and and beautiful. Mm-hmm. And Caleb did not want to miss that experience. I was in the pulpit last Sunday, and um, you know, I I always prepare and study and read and you know give as much as I can to the public teaching ministry mm-hmm. uh, in the church. And you know, 
pretty much every time I'm teaching, there's there's something you know that's that I'll say that's a little different than what I'd planned on, or mm. you know that I'll see you know kind of in that moment. But this last Sunday, there was this one like major thing that in the pulpit, <laughs> I s- am looking at the words on the page, the text in the Bible, and. I saw this connection Mm. that was huge that I had not seen before. And I I wasn't going to, you know, make a big deal out of it and be like, well, man, the Holy Spirit right now is showing me this thing. But but I knew that that that's what was going on. Wow. I knew that right now God is giving me an insight that even though I battled and labored Mm. and read and struggled and, you know, kept trying to tear this text apart, um, I didn't see this hmm. until God just decided in that moment in the war to drop it into my mind. And it just kind of came out and everyone's like, oh, yeah, okay, good. You know, right, right, right. I'll write that down, you know. But I was up there kind of just celebrating like, yeah. dude, I'm in the war with God. I'm wow. getting to do something with God. Hmm. I'm in league with him. I'm in association with him. Yeah, It's just such a joy, you know. And this is, you know, I think it is the the secret sauce of the yeah. Christian life. You know, I, I think that it's a poorly, uh, no, I think it's a well-kept secret actually in the church that, you know, a lot of people wonder like, how can I get accountability? How can I get victory? How can I overcome? How can I grow? S- serve the Lord. Amen. Serve the yeah. Lord. Because it just, it, at least for a lot of us, myself included, it just creates this urgency inside of you that is just so helpful Mm -hmm. to the Christian life without it you know I mean I'm I'm not saying I couldn't grow without being regularly involved in Mm -hmm. the work of God's kingdom where people were depending upon me but it would be more difficult you know and the good news is anybody can do that Anybody can Amen. involve themselves in that. I'm not talking about the pastor. Right. I'm just talking about a regular, committed. You could be discipling two people. Totally. But as you are regularly investing in them and praying for them and thinking about them, and they're asking you questions or challenging and difficult, you are forced to progress in uh-huh. your Christian life. Yeah. So I think that was a beautiful thing that was happening with Caleb was just that. This is how. This is part of the way I'm going to fellowship with God. Wow! Not the only way, but it's gonna, it's a big part of the way that I'm going to fellowship with God. Yeah, engaging yeah. in the work. That yeah. is so cool. Yeah. You wrap up the article, Nate, by talking about how Jesus had the same attitude towards his mountain, towards Mount Calvary, and that he wanted yeah. to go. And I feel like when I read that, that just like really it stirred something inside of me. Um, can you talk about that a little bit about Jesus wanting? to go to the cross and kind of the implication that that means for us in our faith. Just such an amazing thing. It's crazy. Isn't it? Yeah. That he, I, I heard somebody say one time they just were sort of had some conjecture and they were just wondering if after the incarnation, after living a perfect life for 30 plus years, and then after going with Peter, James, and John up to the Mount of Transfiguration Mm -hmm. and speaking with Moses and Elijah, he was wondering aloud, could the Lord at that time have ascended Mm -hmm. and just said, that's how you do it. Yeah. That's how you get to God, the perfection 
that I just displayed, that's the only way. You know, and of course we would all be doomed. Right. But instead he came down from the Mount of Transfiguration, which of course there was never a doubt. Of course right. he was going to do that. Moses and Elijah wouldn't have even been there <laughs> in their glorified yeah. state to speak with him if he had not been slain from the yeah. foundation of the world. So of course he was going to come down from that mount and go to the cross, but he wanted it. He longed for it. He set his face mm-hmm. like flint to go to it. And of course there was that human struggle mm-hmm. of Father, if it's possible, let right. this cup pass from me nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. But by and large, he was allowing uh, the spirit to overtake his heart with this passion, this desire to gather the hens under his wings, this mm-hmm. passion and desire to sit with his brothers in his exalted, resurrected yeah. state, you know, to be with them. And, you know, the way that that interacts or interplays with us today is that Christ has now ascended. He's poured out his spirit to live inside of us. So the Holy Spirit is the spirit of Christ. So as we are being transformed, the goal is to become more like Jesus. So that means that the sacrificial, you know, obviously we're never going to atone for anyone's sin, but the sacrificial mountains that the Lord wants us to Mm -hmm. pursue as the spirit of Christ gets more and more into our lives, the more we'll want and desire and long for that stuff. And we'll realize it's painful. We'll realize there's going to be heartache and difficulty attached to it, but we'll, we'll long for it. I think any, any missionary that's ever gone mm-hmm. on a really difficult assignment, uh, any Christian who's embarked on a really hard reconciliation process, uh, any person that's done any ministry for the Lord, any mm-hmm. service of the Lord, you know, any of that, there has to be a level of, and, and more than likely was uh, some kind of experience there where the Lord was so ministering to their heart, it's worth it. I'm with you. You must do this. And that kind of passion needs to get into the heart. Thanks for joining us today in this conversation. If you're looking for some more content from Pastor Nate, please head over to nateholdridge.com. You can find a ton of podcasts there, articles that Nate is working on, and teachings that he gives at his home church, Calvary Monterey, and online. Also, while you're online, please consider going to the iTunes store or whatever app you're using to listen to this podcast, and please leave a rating and review. That would help us out a ton. But until next time, God bless you. We'll see you soon.